Good evening, everyone. So uh, I wanted to have this call to give, uh, give my perspective on what's going on and to give a little primer to some. A lot of you um, have enough experience having been a part of a uh, unofficial restore the Republic kind of effort for many years. Um, some people have just become aware of even the distinctions uh, of the Republic versus the corporation we operate under. Um, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, what in the world is going on? So I'm going to first give a little primer on a couple distinctions that I feel are important in order to understand. And then we'll all go into my, my opinion, my assessment of what's going on. And then we'll open it up for other points, um, questions, and things like that. So uh, I would say the first distinction that's important to make here that you need to be aware of is that distinction of the red world versus the blue world. Um, some of you uh, have just become what, what, what's now being called red-pilled, right? Um, which is uh, taken from the matrix. Um, but that symbology of the red and the blue goes back much further than the matrix, and it is not something that's drawn along political lines, um, which I'll demonstrate in my explanation um, a little bit later. So first, let me draw the distinction of the red versus the blue. So red is the perspective of life. Red is blood. Red is the world of the living. Okay. Red is the people are authority. The people are the nature and source of government, do what we call du jour governments. Okay. And for this, for our purposes, I'll refer to it as the Republic because our Republic as it was originally established was a, it, the, the authority of its existence comes from the people. So the people are at the top of the pyramid in a Republic. Okay. Then you have counties, then you have States, then you have the federal government at the bottom of the pyramid. So that's how it was originally established. Now the world of the blue, the blue world is the world of death, dead things, fictions, de facto governments. It is where the ultimate authority is the state, okay? Um, and in the matrix, what was it when you took the blue pill was going back to the world of the machine, right? And the machine is the state. So and if you notice, you know, along political lines, at least within the public and the people, you'll notice that people who are drifting towards the blue put all their faith in the state, right? And they want to give all power and authority to the state. The blue world is where the state is the ultimate authority, okay? And it's where... Uh, it's where... There is a 
a lack of the living. The living aren't, don't exist. There's nothing alive in the blue world. Um, everything that's alive is in the red world, okay, in the republic. Now, our form of government, the republic, has been dormant. Um, in the, uh, soon after the Civil War, a corporation was formed, and it put the state as the ultimate authority at the top. It created political subdivisions, which we now know as like the state of California, the state of Oregon, the state of Nevada, things like that. And then further political subdivisions, for example, the county of Los Angeles and the city of Los Angeles. And then at the bottom of this pyramid are what we call U.S. citizens or state residents. Okay, so this is an upside down and backwards version of the republic. Okay, so this is why many of you who've just started to be exposed to the distinction between the republic and the corporation uh, may be confused on why things operate the way they are and why there seems to be contradictions in our world um, because there are two things happening at once. There are two worlds coexisting. And the reason I say these aren't drawn along political lines is because you could see people like George W. Bush, who was pushing for more state authority, more state power. So clearly, uh, part of the death cult, right? Pushing a blue agenda, right? So not necessarily, uh, it's not that Republicans are red and pushing the Republic and Democrats are blue and therefore pushing the state and the authority of the state. Um, people can fall anywhere in the political spectrum. And if they have knowledge of this divide, the two different worlds, then they can operate within both. And again, many of you on this call have that experience. The symbology of the red and the blue, you remember, goes back a lot further than the red pill, right? Remember the red thumbprint? <laughs> there are things that we have done and this movement did not begin with uh, Trump or Q or any of these other things. This is a movement that goes back decades, at least my involvement in it goes back decades. So it's not something new and it's not something that's done or finished. Uh, this isn't the end of the Republic. Yeah, it is an opportunity to re-establish the Republic because it lies dormant. It is no longer functioning. And our, some of our best or uh, greatest allies in this movement have been members of the military for years. And again, those of you who remember all this, remember that back in the, what was it, 2000, sometime between 2011, 2013, the military was going to take out Obama and reestablish the Republic. And for whatever reason, that didn't happen. Okay. And many who have just, just started to become aware of this with the, you know, with Trump coming into office, who was a basically a non-establishment person. So there was the opportunity for this non-establishment person to go against the establishment because the world, the, the dead world, the blue world 
is completely under the authority and control of the banks. Okay. And I mean the big banks, the Federal Reserve, International Monetary Fund, Bank of International Settlements. These are all privately held banks. And ultimately, that's the enemy of all people. Okay. Um, because they, they look at people purely as chattel and have pushed their agendas through the control that they assert through politicians, through media. And that's why you've seen so like, I mean, the level of corruption has become evidently clear over the last many years, you know, the last four years, especially that you see it. It's on both sides of the political spectrum. It's on the, on the Republican side, it's on the Democratic side, it's in the media, and all of that, all of that manipulation, all of that control derives from the banks who have, of course, an unlimited supply of money because they control the issuance of it and therefore can prop up any entity, whether it be China or uh, MSNBC or Joe Biden or anyone else. They have the power to manipulate people, to manipulate institutions. And we've seen that this corruption goes deep within our bureaucratic structure, within our political structure, and within our media. So the restoration of the Republic is not only incumbent upon the military and what they can do about it, but it's also incumbent upon us because there's, it's clear that as, as genius as our founding fathers were in establishing this republic in the way that they did, it seems that maybe a couple things were left out. Um, and these are just additional checks and balances, which would prevent this level of control and manipulation within our politicians, within our institutions, and things like that. Now, so the, the military has their role to play, and we the people have our role to play. And the reason, you know, I wanted to have this call is to just discuss what our role is and how from this point forward, how we're going to embody our responsibility. Because again, one of the distinctions of the blue agenda and the red agenda or the corporation and the republic is that. In the, in the Republic, because people have the ultimate authority, they also have the ultimate responsibility. And if you notice coming out of, your, out of the media and out of institutions, they're pushing everyone to be victims, right? With the critical race theories, they're pushing the critical queer theories, uh, the various forms of postmodernism and things that they're pushing as ideologies is pushing an agenda of victims. And that agenda of victim places people outside of power. It, it, it inspires within individuals the need for a big daddy state to take care of all their problems because you have no responsibility, you have no authority. So our responsibility, which if you look at how our founding fathers did what they did, they laid a blueprint for us if at any point our republic became dysfunctional they laid out the groundwork for us to restore it okay and for instance 
the Constitutional Convention. Now, here's something that is dramatically different today than it was when we first stepped into this arena of restoring the Republic is that in the year 1999, in the year 2000, there were maybe a thousand, maybe a couple thousand people in the entire country who were fully aware of these finer distinctions. Um, I mean, back then, I, I remember having many conversations and people not being aware of the nature of the private ownership of the Federal Reserve Bank. It was assumed and presumed that it was a part of the government. Okay, now fast forward 20 years and it's almost a foregone conclusion for most people that it's a private bank. So it's, it's, become, it's, it's come to the awareness of the masses. And whereas 20 years ago, there were maybe a couple thousand people in this country aware of this and moving and doing what they could and learning what they could in order to restore this republic, now there are tens of millions of people who have at least woken up to the reality of the corruption of the system. Now, they've woken up to some of the facts and some of the nature of the system, but there are, there's definitely a lot more to learn. So if you've just been quote unquote red-pilled and you're now just joining us <laughs> in the awakening, you may not be familiar with the distinctions between the corporation and the republic. You may not be familiar with the distinctions of what it takes to restore it, right? And so it's as if we want to restore the republic, we have to take responsibility and we have to learn and teach. And there are 100 million people out there who want to know what's going on. There are 100 million people out there that if they stepped into that place of responsibility, we get our republic back because it's not incumbent upon the military alone. The military can only take temporary control of the government and then it, it would be up to us to reestablish a republic. Okay, so my perspective of what's going on, what you've seen is what people were expecting to be a uh, justice, right? <laughs> we were expecting to see justice. We were expecting to see that these, that these individuals who exert and manipulate or exert control and manipulate the media and politicians and things like that, that they would be brought to justice and that there would be this big, you know, uh, evolution, revolution, of not only awareness and mind, but of a reestablishment of our Republic as it was originally intended. Now, like I said, this goes back way before there was a Trump, okay? Or at least way before Trump was involved in president of the United States, but it was never, it, if you look at how this game was played over the last four years, it would have never worked to have Trump be the instigator of this revolution, so to speak, right? Of this reestablishment of the Republic. Had Trump actually, let's say, invoked the, uh, the Sedition Act or 
invoked martial law or anything else. Look at what the media, how they've spun, who he is, and anyone whose opinions differ from theirs for the last four years, right? You're a bunch of Nazis. You're a bunch of Nazis, and you want to control the world, and that's their perspective. So had Trump actually instituted either of those things, it would have been civil war. Because you have those who haven't woken up, who've been become completely indoctrinated by the educational systems, by the media and everything else, afraid, like really afraid because they're not, I know that when you get a little bit of awareness and you can see all the evil and harmful ideologies that they're pushing, it's easy to believe that these people have ill or malintent, right? That they are actually bad people, but they're not. They're just brainwashed by their educational system and by the media, okay? There are no bad people. Well, there are some bad people out there, (laughs) but for the most part, the masses, our friends, our family, um, the people in our community, regardless of their political persuasion, in their hearts, they're good people and they believe that they're on the side of right, okay? So that's why the most important aspect in taking responsibility for all this is in being able to build bridges with those people that have been hoodwinked, okay? And being able to talk to them and be with them in such a way that they can wake up just like you did. You know, some of you may have woke up five years ago, some 10 years ago, some 20 years ago, some of you in just the last couple months. So it's, it is incumbent upon us to start to build these bridges and to reach out and to connect and to get the people behind the reestablishment of the Republic and aware of who the true enemy is. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the mainstream media, they are pushing re-education camps, uh, uh, literally pushing a Stasi, a secret police to, to monitor and track every single person who does not hold their opinions, who does not, who, who is not a part of their political ideologies. Okay. And, and again, the people who are behind it, who are like, yeah, yeah, we need to do that. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they really believe that there is a threat to them and that that threat is people who believe in some other political ideology. They're completely missing who the real enemies are here, which are the banking systems, which control the media and the educational systems and our institutions and our politicians So it's much deeper, okay? So it's going to take us waking up the people around us. And like I was saying about what's going on now with Trump, had he done what people expected him to do, it would have been all out civil war because there is such a vast swath of the population who truly believes that he and anyone who supports him are evil. They're Nazis. Okay. They're totalitarians, which 
all of you who have woken up see the irony in that, in that they're the ones pushing all the uh, totalitarian agenda, right? So it's funny at some level. Um, and at another level, it's scary because you see the writing on the wall that this, if they're, in, if they're able to push their agendas through like they want to, we'll all find ourselves in concentration camps by the end of the year, okay? I don't see that happening, okay? Now, why, and, and oh, let me bring up Q as well, because some of you may follow Q, may know about Q. Um, so Q isn't a bad thing. It is a PSYOP, but it wasn't a PSYOP against the people. It had dual purpose, okay? With Trump and Q doing what they were doing, it was awakening people to the nature of the system. The PSYOP of Q was against the establishment. So nothing could really be determined from Q except in hindsight, but it was torturing. It was like tormenting the establishment, okay? And it did a great job. Look at how much fear the establishment has of a peaceful group of people. Q was always, the, the psyop of it was always, hey, sit back, chill out, we're, we're handling this, right? They weren't saying rise up, spill blood, you know, tear things apart, burn things down. No, that's Antifa, that's BLM. They want to tear down the system, okay? But it was a very effective psyop against the establishment, okay? And like I said, it had a dual purpose and it was able to wake people up. So those who got involved in it, and could see, especially in hindsight, once the puzzle pieces kind of fell into place with events that occurred, it was, it was an affirmation, right? It was an affirmation that, wow, there, this, there's stuff happening, that this stuff is significant, and that there is a better world possible, and that there are people on our side who are working for these things. So to get back to what I feel our most significant and important role in all of this is, is our responsibility, is our capacity to build bridges, to wake up and to enlighten those around us. Because eventually what it's going to take is for us, the people, to reestablish the Republic. And we can do that through a constitutional convention. When we have the majority of this people or the majority of the people in this country aware of these, this distinct, these distinctly different aspects of the world, right? The red world, the world of our original Republic, the blue world, the world of the corporation, the democracy, that which puts the state above and has control over the people, then we can bring people together, recognize the common enemy, and restore our republic. Um, for so long, and especially over the last four years, you know, there's this idiom, right? This brand new idiom just came out of nowhere for our for what's going on in the world, and it was the silent majority, right? that there were a massive amount of people in this country who are fully aware, but because of the way social media is portraying events, the way 
the media, mainstream media portrays events and the talking points that just get regurgitated over and over and over again in our educational institutions and the media and everywhere else, it had these people wake up aware and afraid to say anything. But if you don't have a solid understanding of what's happening, you can't wake others up because they're programmed and they will re start regurgitating all these talking points that have come out of the media. That's what they've been programmed to do. They're not thinking, critically thinking for themselves. And that's something you must take on as an individual and you must speak to people. We cannot remain silent anymore. I realize that there's a risk in that. There's a risk of alienation from people. But when you educate yourself and learn and know and can logically and with reason structure a conversation and bring facts into the conversation and you're coming from a place of compassion and understanding you're not there to make them wrong about what they think you're not there to chastise them you're not there to make them an enemy or to make them the evil you're there in a place of compassion, in a place of understanding to wake up, not to fight, not to argue, but to rationally state what you know and understand because you've taken the time to learn and understand it. Okay. So responsibility and speaking is extremely important for us to start doing and to start building the bridges and see that people who've been possessed by this ideology of the blue agenda, the, the world of the machines, the world of the dead is not your enemy. That it is that the people who pull the levers of the machine that are the true enemy. And I'm not talking, and we don't need to have any kind of violent interaction with that or with them. We have so much power in the masses. Right now, you're seeing it all over the world, right? You're seeing people who just will not stand for the intentional collapse of their financial systems, right? And their businesses and everything else. You know, in Italy, all the restaurant owners got together and said, nope, we're not staying closed anymore. And they all opened up, right? And that's what it's going to take. We, if you stay silent because you're afraid of how you'll be portrayed by the media, by friends and family, by your peers, it's, it will not get better, Okay. This is the majority are awake now. They just need some information. They need love and compassion. They need to understand what's happening, how this all works, so that we can build bridges with the rest of the people who are still asleep. So I think that's it. That's really, that's my, that's my, uh, 
my presentation, as we'll say, <laughs> and the points that I wanted to speak into. I'd like to open it up. And if you have any points to offer, if you have any questions, if you uh, have anything, it, whether it's related or not, I'd like to open it up at this time. <clears throat> and you can unmute yourself and contribute in whatever way you feel. Anyone? Um, this is Lizette. Um, uh, you guys see me on the thing as LEV. Uh, Brandon, thank you for your words. Um, I have to say I'm one of those. I think that I, I knew a little bit about this a few years ago. And then I think uh, I just woke up also a few months ago. Um, with all this information, what you're saying, Brandon, is what's come to my mind as well that um, it is my responsibility to speak up to others. I've experienced the fact that, you know, I'm losing different people. Um, so everything you're saying resonates. Um, as we move forward, um, what do you, like, let's say, for example, with these vaccines and this COVID stuff, how do you suggest we operate and like, I don't want forced vaccines or, um, you know, no traveling unless you get a vaccine. How do you suggest we we can move around that. It, it t it's going to take mass resistance. Like for one, they're, they're literally that I don't see them actually forcing it, like grabbing you out of your home, strapping you down and giving it to you. What they'll do is they'll kill you commercially. And this is why remember for so many years in the classes that I taught, the workshops that I did, I spoke about the importance of having that parallel world that we created that operates on our own currency. Remember, that's why I was such a big advocate of Bitcoin. Remember, y'all, some of you have been around for years. I was trying to get you into Bitcoin when it was $100 a piece. It's a 40 grand. Those of you who didn't get in, heed my words next time. <laughs> so, um, so it's important for us to create a parallel system because again, we're talking about the masses, right? The masses, the majority do not want to force a vaccine on themselves or their children. And yet, if, they, if we all start getting commercially killed in mass, we can't operate in the world anymore unless we start to provide services and products using an alternative currency system, okay? until we start to create a parallel system. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take to restore the Republic. I don't know what the plan of the military is. For all I know, in a couple days, in a couple weeks, they're going to take down the, the treasonous elements of our country, of our institutions, of our political politicians. And at that point, we would be in a state of martial law, which they would basically, especially as wide and far as the corruption is gone, it would mean putting military officials in charge of municipalities and things like that until the people reestablish the Republic, vote in new members. And like I said, this, this, this is why the responsibility is so important too, because if we keep 
the system, even the Republic, the way that it is without additional checks and balances on political corruption, on corruption within our institutions and things like that, then what will happen is the bankers will come in again (laughs) and manipulate our system. So, and that's one of the most important aspects of this new system will be a, in my opinion, the best approach is a decentralized currency. Now, I don't see that necessarily being the way that the Republic goes right off the bat. Um, A lot of people think that, you know, the gold standard is still the way to go. I don't personally, I think a decentralized system like Bitcoin, like some cryptocurrency where it can't be manipulated, it can't be controlled because even a gold-based system could still be manipulated and controlled. And how long would it be before we put the hands and the control of that system into private hands and we're, we're off to the races again, right? Where vast manipulation of, of individuals within our institutions, our politicians and everything else start pushing these same agendas they're pushing now. So that to, to directly answer your question, it's a par- we need to put together the parallel system because in resisting the vaccinations, they will push to commercially kill us, which means, oh, you didn't take the vaccine? Well, you can't bank here. Oh, you didn't take the vaccine? Well, you can't have Visa MasterCard. Oh, you didn't take the vaccine? You can't travel, right? So, I mean, really, they're opening up a whole world for us to, <laughs> for, for, an alter, for an alternate uh, commercial system that does not run on their currencies, that is completely separate. You know, again, it's not a world that we're not trying to overthrow their world, but if we create something parallel to it, and they just like how they, they thought they were gonna kill people's voices by tossing them off Twitter, what actually happened? What actually happened is <laughs> other platforms became extremely popular. And now most of the people who either voluntarily left Twitter or who got kicked off Twitter, they're never going back. So they shot themselves in the foot, which is exactly what they would do if they tried to commercially kill us by saying, oh, you can't bank with us. Okay, we're not using your money anymore. <laughs> we're not using your money. We're not using your banks. We're not using your transportation systems. We're going to create something for ourselves. Okay. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a side note because I forgot to mention this originally, but I wanted to touch on this. Um, I believe the push um, that the reason they're pushing so hard um, is for, is for a couple things, because I mean, again, there's some of us have been a part of this for decades and we've seen the, the march towards totalitarianism, but I've never like, this is something that is unfolding at such an extraordinary rate that typically what they try to roll out in a decade, they're trying to roll out in months, right? And that's that's a sign of desperation, okay? <clears throat> and I believe that desperation is for a couple reasons. One, people have woken up. <laughs> people are aware that something ain't right. They may not know the ins and outs of it, but they know something isn't right. They can see the corruption at many levels. And so now it has become extraordinarily important that if they want their totalitarian dictatorship, worldwide dictatorship, that they got to make it happen now, right? 
So that's one reason. The other reason is something very interesting happened in the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the patents by Salvatore Pius, so, which is an interesting translation for those of you who speak Spanish and Italian. So Salvatore is savior and Pius is nation, country, right? So the inventor's name is Salvatore Pius, savior of the country, right? And he, in his capacity of working for the Navy, put out three patents in the last couple of years. One of them right before the shit hit the fan and they did the whole COVID mock-up, you know, in uh, what was it, October of last year. And these inventions are included in them are a, a generator, basically a, a over unity generator, which with like, what was it? Like a thousand Watts. So one kilowatt of input can put out, what was it? Like a terawatt. You remember? Terawatt, Ginger? Yeah. It was yeah. one kilowatt in and a terawatt out. Yeah. So it you put in one kilowatt. A, uh, shoebox. Right. Yeah. So you put in one kilowatt of energy, which that's a couple solar panels. <laughs> you know, like literally like two, three solar panels, you can get a kilowatt off of. And you plug that into this machine and you get a terawatt. Now a terawatt can run Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like we're talking about two solar panels being able to run the city of Los or the county of Los Angeles, even the greater Los Angeles area um, or in more, because I don't even think uh, Los Angeles uses a terawatt, you know, in, in a day. Or, or, or is it, and that might actually be terawatt hours. I don't even know. It might be one kilowatt hour produces one terawatt hour. So it's, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of energy that can be produced by this particular patent. And along with this patent, one of the things that made it possible and functional was a room temperature superconductor. Okay. And along with those two patents, another uh, patent was made possible, which was the Hawk, the H. AUC is a hybrid aeronautical underwater craft. It's basically a fucking UFO. The thing operates with anti-gravity drive systems. It can fly, if you want to call it that, underwater in the air. But what is, what, what's been laid out by the release of these, and again, coming out of the military and made public, these aren't the first patents like this of their kind. But most of the time when patents like this come out, they're, they're not in the public patents. They're taken out for, quote unquote, national security reasons. These were not. And these are functional. Okay. So I believe that that's the other part of this desperation because just if you just take the generator and the superconductor alone, when you have unlimited energy, you have unlimited fresh water because with unlimited energy, you can turn seawater into fresh water all day long. When you have unlimited energy and unlimited fresh water, you have unlimited food. Okay. This is a paradigm shifting scenario. We're talking about going from a world of scarcity, which is a false sense, right? It is not the true nature of the world. But it go, we go from a world of scarcity to a world of abundance overnight with the implementation of just those two devices, okay? And, of, and only those two because one is dependent on the other. So the generator is enough to completely shift the paradigm of the world from a system of scarcity to a system of abundance, which would 
of course, necessitate completely new systems of commerce because our, our current form of capitalism is successful because it is dependent upon scarcity. We're talking about a whole new system here. And I still very much believe in a free market system, but what does a free market system look like when you have abundant resources? When food, water, building materials, and all this are no longer scarce. Fuel, imagine. <laughs> Petroleum is obsolete. Coal is obsolete, right? These things now become obsolete, so they're not even resources we need anymore. And same with like all the resources they're mining, like the lithiums and things like that for the modern electrical vehicles, right? All of these things become obsolete, okay? So that's, that's what I mean by paradigm shift and why I believe there is so much desperation because the military, the Navy in particular, projected their intention. Like they put these patents into the public, which means we're going to build these. We're going to build these and it's going to change everything. Okay. So again, showing that there are elements of the military that are very much on the side of restoring the Republic. I'm not claiming everyone in the military. There are definitely people in every institution that are under the control of the banks that either through blackmail or through bribery or some other means of manipulation are under the control of the banks. Okay. So <laughs> I know that's a really long winded answer for a relatively simple question, but do you feel like I hit the points that you were concerned about? Um, yeah, actually, you did uh, give me some insights there. But, you know, in summary of the long winded was like, oh, we've got to create parallel systems. And what I love about this is really, you know, from an entrepreneurial perspective, for all of us to get creative of all the opportunities that are available for us. I'm like, wow, how awesome is this? Right. Um, and the perspective of responsibility by not taking all these like government handouts you know, everything that uh, they're trying to uh, provide for you. But it's like, no, let me find another way. Um, right. And again, in economic terms, there's always an opportunity, no matter what the economy is. And right now, I feel like they just opened up so much that wasn't there for us. So on that note, we get to be excited. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I give everything the best spin anyways, because there's no way I want to believe that I'm going to be in a concentration camp next week. Um, because believe you me, if there are lists, I'm on them, more than one. <laughs> and I will very quickly find myself in some sort of camp, work camp uh, or, or, or something like that, re-education camp, something. They, they've got me on the list. And uh, so, but again, my perspective on this is that clearly the desperation on their part shows how close we are on our part to achieving our end goal, which is a restoration of the Republic, a, a bringing back of the world of the living, where the world of the living puts away the world of the dead, right? The red world consumes the blue world, you know? And again, building up that parallel system is a way of putting it to death without fighting against it. 
if everyone stopped using their money, if everyone stopped using their banks, right? That, they, that system no longer has any power, right? All righty, anyone else? Uh, Stephanie just posted in the chat asking, what if we build alternative systems? How do we guard against them being corrupted again down the road? What will make them quantitatively different for the long run? Yeah, and that's... Sorry, that's qualitatively. That's why, yeah, yeah, qualitatively, yeah. Um, so that's, again, that goes back to, like, for one, this is just one aspect. And one of the most important aspects, because it's how our, how the machine world has taken over, is the monetary system. And I believe one of our most powerful things that we can incorporate would be a decentralized cryptocurrency as for our monetary system, right? So that I think is one of the most important things, you know, for a parallel system. In fact, it, you know, when you understand the blue world <laughs> and how their statutes work, you know that by using their money, you create a joinder into their jurisdiction and thereby grant them authority over the business you're engaged in conducting. But if you do not use their system and you learn again one of the other distinctions that we used to make in the red versus the blue world was it was the red was the private the blue was the public when you learn to author contracts from a place of your innate right right your your living right as opposed to your uh, franchise rights. Okay. What do I mean by that? Your franchise rights are what exist within a U.S. citizen. You are not a U.S. citizen. U.S. citizen is just a commercial entity. You operate a U.S. citizen. Okay. But when you operate a U.S. citizen, you are under the authority and therefore the statutes of the machine. Okay. When you learn to actually author contracts from your, from your, your in your innate right to contract right in the world of the living you can create business enterprises outside of their authority but if you use their money you create a joinder and now they can interfere in that private system so i would say one of the most important things definitely not the only one and we could probably um so Stephanie, that's a really big question. <laughs> we, can, we can really go through that for hours and hours and hours on end. I will say simply one of the most important things about a parallel system is a decentralized currency that cannot be manipulated and controlled by anyone. And that we, and then, a, and then a, the awareness, the knowledge, the understanding of how to engage in contracts that do not incorporate your franchise, right? The, the US citizen uh, fiction, right? It's a dead thing. Everything in the blue world is dead. And the US citizen is just a, it's a commercial vehicle. You operate in commerce with it, okay? When you learn to operate without it, then you can create business enterprises, engage in contract and, and operate through an alternative currency in that red world, the private world. 
Do you feel like I hit on enough of that? Is there any further elucidation or any finer topics you'd like me to drill down into on that? Hey, Brandon, it's me, G. Uh, question I have. So with this parallel, um, uh, I guess you can say parallel world that we're, we're embarking on, and I know there's a lot of people already establishing these uh, different... Uh, platforms so we can have a parallel economy um how do we how do we get away from these isps to create our own isp so we can actually uh, have our own internet so we can not depend on these things mesh network um so it is possible for us to create even a parallel internet um, now there's actually a couple people in this group and myself included that actually have the technical know-how of creating standalone networks where we can string together servers, use ham radio frequencies and various mesh network hardware to tie together a private network. Now, I, again, I don't see it getting to that point. Because if it did, it would almost mean that the totalitarians are already here at our door, you know, and anything we set up, they tear down. Because the one thing about this, if we did build it, it would be, you can track it, you can trace it. You, and, and I don't mean like necessarily track your traffic, because we could, design, we could build our network protocols in such a way that everything's encrypted. But th there's a necessity to get this to propagate signals, Okay. And anything that's propagating a signal can be tracked down. So they can track down all our radios. They can track down all our routers and all those things and destroy them. Um, at which point, there goes our internet, right? Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely something we can do. And it's something we can start on. In fact, I know that there's already people who have put together mesh networks, um, and we can even have, it's funny because this goes back to the matrix analogy. You can even have your, you know, your jacking points where, you know, our internet exists outside of their internet and it's its own, uh, you know, self-contained structure, so to speak. But we can have these points where, you know, somebody in our network who's on a hard line or on a, uh, on a backbone could actually give us access to that other internet. You know, so we, we have our mesh network, but we can actually route through to that other internet, you know, kind of like how in the matrix, they jump into the world of the machines, right? They, they go in, they basically hack in and they are able to, you know, see what's going on in the world of the machines and obtain information from that place as well. So that's, that's all doable. That's all possible. I'm hoping. Like, again, I feel like if we ever got to that point, it's too late <laughs> because at that point, it, you know, even trying to build it um, might be futile because that would mean that either the military has had their hands tied and can't do anything to protect our rights to communicate. Um, and there would be nothing that at that point, there would be nothing to stop the, the machine world from absolutely crushing down any efforts that we would make towards the creation of this separate internet. And it's again, based on the fact that 
the only way for us to propagate it would be wirelessly. And, you know, those, those frequencies, the, whether we're talking about the higher end frequencies that, you know, our, our modern day modems and things use, um, the lower end frequencies of what like ham radios and things use, those would all be detectable. So you could find the transmitters, you can destroy them, you know, you can outlaw, you know, outlaw the use of <laughs> ham radios and things like that. So, so it's impossible for us to do it. Yeah, so that's that that get, brings up other points of okay, so we're we're you know you can you can definitely find the hardware, and yeah, they can actually de- destroy it. How do we protect from them destroying it? Number one, and then also, um, you know, we have all these things. You know, they start censoring or taking away rights from, say, just like Twitter and Facebook have been doing. Then after that, then they go to the uh, the providers that house servers and then they, the servers take them down like they did with parlor. And then the next thing you know, what's next? Well, the next thing would be the ISPs. And then the next one would also be the don't domain registry. So, so it just keeps on going down the line that we have to, I feel like we have to create separate parallel. Um, well, there's, there's actually ways of operating within the current internet that would uh, let's say circumvent, like, let's say they, they ban, they start banning on the DNS service, right? They right. start just eliminating names, you know, that resolve to addresses. Well, there's a couple technologies out there. Um, you know, uh, blockchain based decentralized type internet. There's, mm-hmm. um, there's also the, the onion router, right? Which you can actually set up a server and, completely hide its actual location and it has its own resolution system. It does not depend on any of the DNS systems at all. So there are ways of circumventing that in our current internet, you know, so if they start taking down domains, okay, now we're all going to move to the onion or some other, some other, uh, I know there's now the Loki that's out there, which is a little bit different and, and there's some uh, blockchain based, or some other blockchain-based um, systems. There, I, there used to be a blockchain-based uh, name resolution. I don't know if it's still operational, um, but it was called Namecoin, and it was a blockchain-based name resolution system. And again, that, the 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 beauty of the blockchain-based technologies is its decentralized nature. You know that you can't just take yeah. and take out the network, right? So if you have a name resolution system that's based on a blockchain and there are hundreds of thousands if not millions of people contributing to that network you you could not take that network down you could not take away that name resolution system so there are ways of circumventing some of these things where we see it's going because they i mean aside from all out like you can't be connected to the internet (laughs) your cable company shows up sorry cuts the line you know, or something like that. Um, And I don't see that happening because that's their greatest tool in tracking everything you do. You know what I mean? It's like, if they start doing these little things, like let's say banning DNS and then people start using the onion and and other things, they're actually going to lose more than they would gain. So I, I would think that they would be pretty hesitant 
to actually implement like full off. We're cutting you off completely from the internet. Cause that means we're completely cutting off our ability to track and monitor everything you do. Well, right? yeah, it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like Twitter might be a test case. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, I'm sure they're kicking themselves in the ass for that. Cause like, well, like everyone went to encrypted platforms. Well, <laughs> they're still I'm, just, talking. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the shareholders to start uh, bitching to uh, Jack and say, you're out. <laughs> you're costing me billions yeah. of dollars. Yeah, but you got to realize that that goes, the, the corruption there goes deeper than Jack. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like in probably, reality, yeah. It, it, it's, not even about, it's not even about making money. Like they don't, like the people who control Twitter don't really care about, you know, 50 billion in loss because it's about the control because controlling Twitter is controlling minds, right? Is controlling the yeah. way people think. And there's a much greater value on that than advertising dollars. True that. Yeah. All righty. Anyone else? Stephanie had a follow up. She says, uh, so I guess it comes down to individual responsibility. The challenge is shifting the culture of the people to treasure the values of the Republic. Suppose right. that can be done and becomes the normative paradigm. I imagine it would still be challenging to help people not to take it for granted when good things become normal. It's right. still true. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. it would also be important to keep teaching the lessons of history to keep people informed about how patterns repeat themselves within human civilizations. Absolutely. Because I mean, Nazi Germany is unfolding before our eyes. Like I am like absolutely in shock about the things they're saying in mainstream media. You know, I'm like, nobody, (laughs) nobody sees this. Like nobody's hearing what they're saying. Like they're literally calling for the Stasi. You know, it's just, it blows my mind. Um, But absolutely it is about that individual responsibility. And, and, it's about that ability, that capacity to build bridges with others. Because right now there's an ide- there's, there are ideologies, again, being pushed out of the blue world, the world of dead, the world of the machines, that is, just, uh, is trying to erase our history and corrupt our history, right? And you, what, if they erase the idea of a constitutional republic, how can you point to that this is a, a good or better way to go? They're demonizing it, right? Like you have the, the machine pushing this ideology that the United States is the absolutely worst thing that's ever been created, right? <laughs> Never mind the fact that we started the trend of, of individual freedom. I mean, the world up until the United States was in general was a feudal state or many feudal states. It was after the United States created its constitutional Republic and people saw that not only that it could be done, but that it was incredibly successful, that it was incredibly empowering to the individuals within that society that individuals within that society had a higher standard of living than any other system of government in the world, okay? And this is all being covered up. This is all being hidden. I mean, I, I, I remember when my oldest kids were in high school, 
you know, they, they didn't have the history books we have, right? And you can already see that the agenda of pushing the, the United States is this absolutely evil place that must be demolished was actually their, the central theme of their history book, you know? And this blew me away. I'm like, wow, this is your history book, Howard Zinn. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, interesting. You know, it's an interesting book. Um, you see the ideologies that are being pushed, but how do you push this as history? You know, they're completely, again, the world of the machine is upside down and backwards, right? And so what we may see as like, wow, what a great, what great insight our founding fathers had in creating things the way that they created them has been twisted into our founding fathers are demons incarnate and that the system they created is an absolute, uh, is absolutely evil. (laughs) And so you're, they're pushing that agenda now and they're pushing this ideology. And so it's definitely important for us to stand in that place of responsibility and in a place of knowledge and understanding so that we can break up those ideologies, you know, because when somebody wants to say, you know, this is the absolute worst thing that's ever been created on the earth, ask them a simple question (laughs) compared to what? Show me the better one, right? You, you think China's better? You think we should go back to concentration camps and enslaving people with different religions and ideas? Is that better? You know, like really get them to think because all they're doing is just repeating talking points. They're regurgitating what the machine is pushing out. And there's no, I mean, it's not supported by anything. These are the most ungrounded, I mean, completely baseless assessments of our society and our culture and our systems, but they're not thinking about it. They're just regurgitating it. So it's, it, it becomes, it's incumbent upon us to, to get people to think again about these things, you know, compared to what <laughs> United States is so bad and so evil compared to what, you know, and if they try to pull up, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Norway or Sweden or something like that. That's an interesting model because remember, uh, part of this new narrative is that also white people are the source of all evil. So if they say, well, look at Norway, you know, it's much better over there. Okay, so you're saying a country that's 98% white people <laughs> is better than this system, which is mixed of all people from all around the world. That's not necessarily something Norway or Sweden, or Finland have, you know, they have a homogenous society for the most part, since the whole European union thing, I'm sure they're getting plenty of immigrants, but they're still very much a homogenous society, you know? And remember, we were told just last year that, you know, hard work and being on time, that these are white uh, uh, principles of white supremacy. Okay. <laughs> that leaves out the fact that South Asians are very hardworking. East Asians are very hardworking. So I don't know if there's a, 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 com, a, a conflation being made there between South Asians and East Asians also being white. <laughs> I, I don't think they're usually considered white, but this is what's being pushed that these, 
these things that they claim is unique to the culture that created this country. It's not. That's just racism. That's all they're pushing. But they're claiming that they're the countries that are who have embodied that culture because they're a homogenous culture are better examples of the United States. You know, and again, if you really look at it and you look at the standard of living of all the population and everything else, is it really better? You know, look at their system of medicine. You know where rich people in Norway go to get medical treatment? The United States. <laughs> Same with rich people in Canada. Well, they got social medicine. It's so much better. Yeah. And why are the people with money coming to the United States to have medical procedures done? You know, so it's, again, it takes us like, for one, listening to their, what they're regurgitating that comes out of the machine and thinking hey, about for ourselves. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you on this point, but um, I wanted to, um, you brought up a good point, which is listening to what they're saying. And I have to admit that I don't want to listen. Right. I, um, you know, gotten off the social media, gotten off the mainstream media because I can't stand listening to all these lies. So how do you recommend, or anybody in this group, how do you recommend actually uh, being able, being aware of what's being mm-hmm. said out there, you know, without being an ostrich with our head in the sand, because right. I want to do that often so that I can then focus on what we're doing here, which is uh, focusing on the greater good. You know, we're just saying, hey, if I'm going to build a parallel, um, you know, construct, what does that look like? Um, without losing sight of what this other side is saying, because right. I find myself not listening, not wanting right. to. Yeah. And I think that also comes from a lack of understanding and knowledge. You know, if we're not willing to listen to what they say and then really think about it, like they may be right about something, <laughs> you know, like we have to grant them that. The way I approach it is, for one, take some deep breaths, because yes, <laughs> my automatic is to be like, you fucking idiot, right? Um, that's my automatic. <laughs> so take some deep breaths and really approach it from a place of analyzing what they're saying, breaking it down logically, and showing a rebuttal through facts and logic. You know what I mean? It, like you've seen, you've seen me do it on your threads, Right where I take what they say and I feed it back to them, broken down with logic and reason, and then I give them examples. <laughs> right? like, boom, here's an example, here's an example, here's an example, here's an example. And then I have no um, attachment to them getting it. I just, le- here, I'm going to leave this here. <laughs> that's, that's your approach. It's like, oh, okay, boom, drop the mic. You drop the mic, you walk away. You don't get attached to changing their mind. Because if this happens enough, you know, enough mic drops, enough logical rebuttals, you know, with examples, with, you know, and all that, it's at some point <laughs> they got to start thinking for themselves because at some point they're going to feel foolish about what they just regurgitated and how it's so clearly rebutted by what you presented if they look at it. And again, if you're unwilling to look at the things they say, then what would you expect of them, of the things you say? 
No, I, I hear you. That's why I, <laughs> I recognize the irony and all of that. Um, so I, that's why I was asking. It's like, whoa, what would be some tools to do it? Because I admit that that is difficult now being able to see the, you know, the light. So you just gave us some, some tools for that. So I appreciate it. Yep. If I could add to that real quick, um, I, I, Lizette, I like to think about it in terms of planting seeds because anybody who embodies a strong ideology, no matter what it is, is unlikely to change their mind about it in that moment especially being confronted by somebody with a different ideology. And so for me, I focused on asking questions more than giving statements or even like Brandon said and backing up with facts and logic. I just like to kind of ask a question that may poke to a fault in the logic and then maybe plant a seed saying, maybe it's not always that way. What's the exception? And I noticed that more often than not, that tends to take hold in some way, whether it's the day later, an hour later, a year later, maybe they never get it. But um, I, I have noticed that for myself being effective if that's supportive to you. All righty. Anything else? Anyone else? Any other questions? Any more points that anyone would like to add? No? No one? Am I still on? Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, um, well, if there's no other points to be made or no more questions or anything like that, um, I guess we can uh, tie it up here. Um, we are going to make this a regular thing, these calls, um, if you'd like to join us on them, because I feel like that, you know, we've touched on a lot of points that merit deeper discussion. Um, and I feel that that could be beneficial you know, for either the people on this call or other people who may not have been on this call, um, people who wake up in the next two days, right? Um, because there are a lot of points that we've just kind of glossed over that in order for someone to truly understand and be able to integrate and incorporate within their life or, or even principles that we've talked about, like embodying responsibility and things like that, these are things that we can talk and have discussions about that will illuminate us and, and, and increase our fortitude and our ability to face what is happening in the world right now. So um, with that, all of you who are on here now, I believe since you're in this group, uh, you will see the next time, because I think I'm going to stick with this. Telegram seems like a pretty good app. Um, I, I like it better than Discord. Um, but <laughs> also being aware that um, this telegram could be gone tomorrow <laughs> or next week. So 
Um, we'll put some links to the Discord group and the Signal group um, so that as they start to peel away our, our platforms, we can still get together and have conversations and discussions and things like that. Um, and feel free at any point to contact me privately um, if you have questions um, or really just if you just post in the Telegram group. Um, like I said, there are actually a lot of people present on this call who are extremely knowledgeable about these subjects and, and have been studying these things for years. Okay. So it's not like I'm the only source of information here. Uh, there are many extremely competent people on this call right now and members of this group that are extremely knowledgeable. So I invite you to, if you you know, even have a philosophical point, you know, that you'd like to make or, uh, or even a rhetorical question that may stimulate us into thinking deeply or in a way that can illuminate us as individuals and as a group. Um, I think that that would be extremely beneficial. So any contribution that you want to make, make it in the group. And that being said, I feel like, uh, I guess this is over now. Thank you, everyone. I, uh, real quick, I, I'd, I'd say also if people are have any requests, any requests or offers, post them in the group because, like you said, Brandon, there are a lot of people that are knowledgeable about a vast amount of things in this group. And if someone requests something, it may very well likely be accepted and supported. Yes, absolutely. Because that is another thing I can tell you about this particular group is that these are people of principle. They, they live their lives from a place of principles and they embody those principles and they're extraordinarily generous and compassionate and knowledgeable and intelligent. And, uh, I, I feel that almost everyone in this group, if not everyone, right, Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to pick out anyone here and say they're not. I would say everyone in this group at this moment, <laughs> as people start to join, if other people join and feel free to invite people, especially if you feel like that they can benefit or be a contribution, just share the group link and, uh, and we welcome. Them, okay. And yeah, definitely be, be in exchange with the people of this group. It is an extraordinary group of people. And with that, I thank you all for being here and I will talk to you maybe in about a week. Good night, everyone.